While the revolution tore Ben and William Franklin apart, the ripples of division extended much farther than the Franklin family. In fact, the Revolutionary War split society into three distinct categories. Historians now estimate that around 20% of colonists were loyalists with allegiance to the crown, 20 to 25% were patriots who supported the rebellion, and the rest were neutral, not interested in joining either side. Based on these figures, the Revolutionary War was more than just a fight between patriots and the British. Oftentimes, American colonists took up arms against their own neighbors. The conflict was as much a civil war as it was a revolution. Some people at the time actually called it the Civil War. And for good reason, Nathan. Though many loyalists fled to Canada or England, most stayed put in America. And they presented a problem. The new nations faced with a big question. How should former loyalists be punished for their treason. And the Civil War of the American Revolution got especially out of hand in South Carolina. That's historian Rebecca Brannan. Because there are locals fighting locals. And it's not a civil war in the sense of the American Civil War, where a lot of it is regional. And if you live in South Carolina, pretty much everybody you know supports the Confederacy in 1861 and fights for the Confederacy. But what you actually have in the American Revolution in South Carolina is small pockets where one village might support the Loyalists and the next village over supports the Patriots. And both sides, they join local militias um, and they know the terrain and they know the people intimately. And they use that to harass and terrify civilians in an effort to tamp down support for the other side. And the end result is ever-escalating warfare, and atrocities. So that sounds like a hard situation to overcome, to put the pieces back together after the war is over. How does that happen? Great question, and that's part of why I chose South Carolina. I thought, if the war was so terrible, how did they manage to live together afterwards? Right. Um, And part of the answer is they engage in practices after the war Um, where they allow themselves space and time to get over their anger. They initially have single out some loyalists for very harsh punishments. They confiscate or take away all of their property. They tell them they have to leave and never come back. Um, And they sort of make an example of a few prominent people. And um, they contemplate more ordinary people having to face criminal justice trials in the courts, and then they quickly decide it's a really bad idea to use our new court system um, and sort of fill it with all these angry cases. And so they start with much more symbolic punishments, and then they start to back away from even that. And um, one prominent uh, sort of public intellectual and judge in South Carolina uh, frames the whole idea as... um, of course, it's offensive to justice, but he says you do it like you throw a tub to a whale, right? You just have to throw a little blood sacrifice to the angry people, and then you can move on. And when they start to move on, um, they're looking for things like, were these loyalists willing to apologize to their neighbors? Are their neighbors now willing to support them and say, yeah, they made a bad choice in the war, but they're good, dependable people, and this is this bold experiment in democracy and a new nation, and we need dependable people in our communities to help us make this work. Was this a good idea? I mean, they go through show trials for a few people, but then let most people off. Is, would that be a fair way of putting it? Show trials or they're 
the legislature wants to be seen to be punishing people, and so they take away their property. But two years later, um, these loyalists petition and appeal and say, you know, my neighbor supports me now, and I'm not so bad, really. Um, and they're given their property back. And the vast majority of loyalists end up suffering no permanent um, disability as citizens. They get their property back. They'll get the vote. In some cases, they're not allowed to vote. They'll get the vote back within a decade um, and become full-fledged citizens. Well, that's amazing. Did the loyalists kind of have to abase themselves to achieve these leniency? (laughs) That is one of the... um, best questions because it's really hard for me to capture in the political record, and so I found it in some places. Um, They do have to abase themselves, in part because the patriots are really angry, and apologizing is hard. And I have one example. There's this uh, young man, Elias Ball, and he He's trying to get the support of his very prominent uncle, Henry Lawrence, who was also a negotiator of the peace treaty that ended the war with Britain. And he's trying to get Henry Lawrence to support him in his effort to get off this confiscation legislation and get his property back. And he apologizes three times. And we know this because Henry Lawrence writes in a letter after he finally accepts the third apology. Then he thinks that Elias Ball has finally been abject enough and truly apologized for his political conduct enough. And we don't have Elias Ball's letter. We only have Henry Lawrence's letter afterwards saying, you knew what you did was wrong. You knew the cause was unjust, but you, you basically you finally put together the right combination of words that made me feel better. You were abject enough. And then he's actually willing to support Elias Ball Um, and support him in front of the South Carolina legislature, and the legislature gives Elias Ball his property back. So a little abject apologizing can get you a lot. So is this kind of about the the culture of honor, that people are looking to um, for ritual um, agreement that they had been wrong, and once you've apologized, then it's sort of like, well, we can move on? I think so. I even went into the uh, psychological research, I'll bet, uh-huh. timidly, because I'm a historian. Um, and I found there's research now that shows that um, we humans are deeply programmed to seek what we see as justice. We've, we've, it's deeply scarring to us to see what we see as injustice in the sense that um, when we think we're going to watch somebody who really deserves it get punished— It lights up all the pleasure centers in our brain, the same ones that like alcohol and cocaine and good (laughs) coffee. Um, However, (laughs) right, right. It's it's not the feedback loop we were looking for. Yeah, right. (laughs) However, the research also shows that actually seeing the punishment, even if we think it's just, is an incredible letdown. The pleasure is in the anticipation. It's not in the reality. And I kept thinking about that and how often these patriots would talk about how angry they were, would entertain um, apologies. And I think that, right, they're, they're basically almost on to something that it's pleasurable to imagine the punishment, but it's not so fun to really do. And that is part of why they allow themselves to begin to empathize with the plight of the loyalists and um, move to being more generous with them. How long does this process take but for them to come to that realization? The, the amazing thing is it doesn't take that long. So hmm. 
it takes two or three years for them to start really backing away from the punishments that had sounded so good in the immediate aftermath of the war. Um, they start to give property back. The loyalists have been really savvy and tried desperately not to leave. And a lot of times they're living in the family house, even though the state is threatening to auction it off and sell it. Wow. Um, and it's hard to argue with some pitiful widow who's standing there in the door. Yes, I know the law says this, but how am I supposed to support my family? Um, P.S., I'll show up on your doorstep if I've got nowhere else to go. Um, and, and all of this starts to work. Um, and there are some, I call them public intellectuals, but they're sort of the jurists and politicians of their day who say, let's think about this a little more. This doesn't make sense from the point of view of the laws we want to create. This doesn't make sense from the point of view of the political entity we wish to be. Um, let's learn to live together. And they also make the savvy point that it was one thing to expel people, to drive them out. It's a whole nother thing to keep them within your nation constantly oppressed and discriminated against and second-class citizens. And that that is a far more dangerous thing to do. What's interesting about all of this, I mean, actually, it's all interesting and surprising, um, is that it may actually have been a good thing and a bad thing, right? That all this forgiveness uh, kind of swept across <laughs> South Carolina. Can you help us untangle that? I've come to think of this as, on the one hand, the American genius at work, um, our propensity for forgiving and then forgetting. Um, on the one hand, it has helped us historically heal from these times when Americans have been very divided. It makes our society more inclusive in the sense that we're willing to forgive people who fought on the wrong side of a war, had the wrong political opinions, wrong being not a moral judgment, but just to one, um, that, right. that we practice compassion and empathy, I'll bet, for people we think are like us. Um, on the other hand, I've often thought that because South Carolinians did an amazing job forgiving and forgetting and moving on from their civil war in the American Revolution, they didn't learn the lesson that civil wars are awful, that civil wars are lasting, that they rip society apart, that there's no way you can guarantee that you can put society back together again, and that they will go on longer and be more bloody than you can imagine. And there's a sense in which they're not tempered by their own history as they uh, embrace conflict and divide leading up to the American Civil War. Rebecca Brannon is a history professor at James Madison University. She's the author of From Revolution to Reunion, The Reintegration of the South Carolina Loyalists. 